Alright folks, we are back. We're so glad you were with us and uh, you don't get to see our smiling faces. Maybe I'll find a picture to attach to this when we put it up on our YouTube page. Um, but we're here. We're doing our third study in uh, the life of Elijah in our Bible Studies for Life series. And today we're in 1 Kings where? Chapter 17. Alright, so Christy's going to kick us off there. So if you have your Bibles, we're in 1 Kings 17, and we're going to read verses 17 and 18 to begin with. Sometime later, the son of, of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Yeah, a quick summary to remind you of where we're at. Elijah has told the wicked king Ahab that it will not rain for three years, or at least until he says it will. And then he has left. He's fled. He spent some time by a brook. Uh, he was fed by God through the birds. And now he's living with this widow woman who was running out of food. And Elijah showed up and told her she'd bake him a cake that God would not allow her to run out of food. And so he's been with her for some period of time, but he's in a foreign country. He's not with the Judeans anymore. He's not with the Hebrews anymore. Um, and so he's with this widow at Zarephath. And this is where Elijah's at when this story happens. So. Yeah, this, this um, ministry that Elijah was in, has gone from a public ministry to a very private ministry. Um, he was, or, or he is actually a prophet. However, he went from being very much in the public eye to being um, in a cave and now in a widow's home. And you'll see as we read on that he lived with this widow. There was an upper room that he stayed in that was provided for him. And um, he was there with her and her son. And this widow, after he was with her for a while, um, and she was feeding him daily, and he was, you know, enjoying fellowship with her and her family, um, the son of the woman, we don't know how old he is, he got sick. And it, it seems to indicate it was a sudden illness. Um, he got worse and worse, and then he finally stopped breathing. And she um, immediately became very um, upset, not just wailing, crying, upset, but, but almost angry. There's lots of phases of grief. We won't go into those, but she became very defensive and started blaming this sickness that turned into death on God um, and questioned Elijah about it. And Daniel may want to hit that a little bit more. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that, I mean, I think this woman does what we do a lot, um, but because hers has this word that we've attached so much religious meaning to it, we read it as a religious statement. But I think if you could rephrase what this woman said is basically, why did this have, why did this have to happen to me? Why were you involved in this? And why have you come to remind me of all my failures? Uh, we don't know why she's a widow. We don't know what's happened to her. We do know that when Elijah met her, um, she thought she was about to die. She thought her son was about to die. Um, 
the anybody who is in that kind of condition is probably not in a good place mentally. Um, they would feel like a failure as a parent. They would feel like a failure. And so when she says to him, did you come to remind me of my sin? We immediately go to this, oh, what horrible, immoral thing had she done? Whereas what she's really saying in the gist of the moment as someone who is suffering and has suffered is, what in the world? I mean, why am I such a failure? Why can't I do anything right? Why can't anything go for me? And basically to the prophet, I've messed up my life enough already. And here you are, you know, basically come to mock me by saying things could be different. And now there are no different, you know. So that's the way I understand it as we read it there. Yeah, um, I, I don't use the version of the Bible, um, the message for necessarily study. But I do like to listen to it when I'm listening to my new version app. And I'm going to read you the verse 18 out of the message because it pretty much sums up what Daniel just said um, that the woman was saying. It says in verse 18, the woman said to Elijah, why did you ever show up here in the first place? A holy man barging in, exposing my sins and killing my son. So in essence, she was facing a lot of uh, guilt and not really any reason to face it but i think a lot of times we do that like daniel said as well um the book pointed out it murphy's law like if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen to me and she may have just been really struggling with um, some of the things that she was facing she had obviously she was a widow she'd lost her husband and now her son and he was going to be the one that provided for her and so this was a provision issue as well um not at this point but i'm sure ultimately she began to think about that as well yeah and and this isn't a lesson on positive thinking or anything like that but i think this woman reveals a little bit what's going on in her heart and what goes on in our hearts is this um self-blame self-focus whatever and you know, in the commentary, it talks about Peter's uh, writings in First Peter, where it says that God sends trials so that they can uh, test our faith or, or prove our faith. And the word prove there doesn't mean prove it as in, oh, you know, I can throw this ball 30 yards. Okay, prove it. Uh, it's prove it as in bring it into a function. Like the, the difficulties of our life are what brings our faith into function and I'm just going to go ahead and challenge you a little bit here that this woman's faith was brought into function here and that this is an act of faith on her part and here's why she goes to the person that she believes has a role to play in the circumstances and that's Elijah and I, to me that just shows that she had faith uh, she wasn't quite sure about it she wasn't sure what to do with it um, but she did have faith and that is important in this story to see it from that perspective it is um sometimes we we go through things whether it's to this extent um or not and we have just daniel and i personally have, have encountered a lot of this pain through others in their lives and um it is very important that that we we listen and that we are able to try to absorb whatever it is that they are feeling at the moment and what they are 
lashing out even at the moment and this this was the point this lady was at she very much um, needed to express her feelings at this point and Elijah listened and we're gonna see what happens in the next few verses and how he took that upon himself verses 19 through 21 give me your son Elijah replied he took him from her arms carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed then he cried out to the Lord Lord my God you have brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord Lord my God let this boy's life return to him so here I mean I, I want to go ahead and point out in verse 19 just summing up what I had just said about verse 18 Elijah takes this lady's pain and steps into it and he looks at her suffering and he says I want to help you bear it and he didn't argue with her he didn't try to fix her words he didn't try to um, change the way she was feeling mm -hmm. yeah. he just picked her son up he asked her permission first and then he picked her son up and he took all that pain upon himself yeah I mean that, that's a tremendous insight there because um, th those are all the things we do um, and so the the note I wrote to myself on this passage was this and it's for those of us who have the role of Elijah uh, because this is the focus of, of the lesson is you know taking the role of Elijah here and it's this don't evaluate people speak to God uh, we have a tendency and we do it among ourselves we do it in a way that we think is okay we do it in a way that we think is helpful for us but we say things to each other like well they're in that circumstance because this is what they do they're in that circumstance because this is what they said or this is how they thought or this is how they performed and every single one of those things might have logical truth to it but what that allows us to do is the exact opposite of what Christy just said of taking people's pain and burden on us we lose our empathetic spirit that God has gifted us with when we evaluate why someone is in a circumstance instead of interceding for the circumstance they're in. That Does is such a, such a valid reminder that, that we don't start telling people or actually if we tell ourselves we'll ultimately tell them yeah if we if we say to ourselves or amongst ourselves well they're there because blah 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 mm. um if we try to excuse what's happened to them because of their sin or their past sin or their mama's sin or their daddy's sin um those are things we try to manipulate and elijah here it's so important to look and realize the lady in verse 18 lashes out and says, Why did you come here and cause me this pain? The one thing that I want to point out that Elijah did not do was defend himself. He didn't say, But God told me to come. But 
I was instructed to come here, but look at everything that's happened so good to us so far. He never defended himself. He just picked up the child or asked permission and then picked up the child and took him to the room. And that's one thing I think that we struggle with in our own lives is defending our role. Mm. Yeah, you know, both both sides of this coin here, if you will, are a challenge because he doesn't he doesn't put himself in a particular position. He doesn't put the woman in the position. He just takes the child before God. And I mean, I. I I'm not going to pretend that I'm not going to pretend I'm the only person who has a problem with that. Uh, somebody asks us to pray for them and we genuinely intend to pray for them. But by the time we get done around to praying for them, we've thought of all the reasons why they are in the circumstances that they are in. We've thought of all the reasons why, you know, they're going to have to deal with that and all those sorts of things. And we have lost the ability to take the role that God has provided for us, and, um, and 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 so look at what He does. I mean, He takes the child straight before God and says to God, "Why have you brought this tragedy?" And and that's not an accusation against God, but it's a reminder to God that He's in control. And you say, "Well, God doesn't need to be reminded He's in control." Okay, of course He doesn't. But Elijah needed to be reminded that God was in control. So when he makes that statement, that's what he's doing. He's saying, "You, you are, you are in control. Why did you do this? What, what is happening here that brought this about?" And then, and I, I grew up in a tradition that really tries to find the nth degree of how and why something worked. And I'm a little bit of a logical, you know, leaning person myself. And why did he stretch himself out on the boy three times? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I just know, I'll, I'll tell you this, as somebody who has prayed for people, uh, there have been times that I have prayed for people and immediately felt a physical and spiritual sense of their need and, and ached and, and been burdened for them. And there have been times I have prayed for people and I have not, uh, to the point that I've asked God to give me some of that sense that I've had before. Um, so that I can really, in that moment, pray for them. And if that doesn't make sense to you, then I'm sorry. Just skip those last 25 seconds and pretend I didn't say them. But I've, I've been in rooms before, and I've been in situations before where I've prayed and immediately been overwhelmed by the need and the grief and the sorrow and all those things that are happening. And then I've been in situations that are just as bad on the outside and not had that same response. Um, and I've had to ask God to give me that response. So maybe that's what Elijah's doing here. Maybe he's just really um, trying to understand and, and, and feel what, what is here as he pleads with God. Yeah, I think that's very important that, that he put himself in the role of this lady and tried to imagine the pain and the grief that she felt. I'm sure he felt it too as he lived in this home with this child and this lady and had this time that they were spending together. I'm sure he felt a connection with this child as well, but it's nothing like your own mm, child. Yeah. Um, and he carried that burden with her 
And if you read anything about the Old Testament purity laws, this was this was a major deal for him to pick up um, a body. This was um, some rituals he would have had to go through, some cleanliness things. Uh, you can even look in the New Testament, um, the Samaritan. You know, a lot of times the the people that had passed the Samaritan may have, that may have been something they had thought about. Hey, I don't want to touch this body because it's going to cause me to have to go through some ritualistic cleaning acts. And these are just, there are a lot of barriers here that Elijah broke down. Um, but these are things he never even considered because his first response was, can I take him? So these are just some things to... to if you're if you're looking into it and reading into it and you may think of things like that but the biggest thing was he took her grief on his own and a lot of times that means getting very messy when we take someone's grief we enter their pain um, it may cause us to stop what we're doing in our home and pause for a moment and help people out and that's not an easy thing to do but it's it's necessary. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to move to the last passage, which is verses 22 through 24, the same chapter. Unless, did I miss something there? We're good? No, you didn't. Okay. Verse 22. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. So as we finish the story, or this part of the story, this, this portion of it, uh, we see God's response to Elijah. And Elijah is known as the greatest Old Testament prophet. Uh, James refers to him and refers to the power of his prayer. And God intervenes in this circumstance, in this situation. And, you know, it's so easy for us to get formulaic about this. Okay, what did Elijah do? What steps did he take? I meant, kind of mentioned that a minute ago that I grew up in a tradition that was always looking for an edge there as to, you know, okay, how can we get this type of response? Um, and never forget that Elijah had probably spent months and months by himself uh, with nothing but the birds and God's presence, whom he communed with regularly. And so in this circumstance, God answers his prayer. And Christy mentioned the ceremonial laws earlier, and as she was reading this passage, I was like, hmm. I wonder how the ceremonial apply, laws apply to a dead body that becomes a live body. Um, and, and as I thought that, this thought just you know struck me that that's what happens to the law when we step into the kingdom of God. The law is for the dead person. And when we step into the kingdom of God and, and as followers of Jesus begin to live out the will of God, we're now live people and the, the laws so far as their condemnation and their uh, 
structure to keep us in place no longer apply. But anyways, I'm about to run off the rails if I don't get back on my lesson here. No, I, so. I totally um, get what you're saying there with when we step into the kingdom realm to carry someone else's burden, to intercede for them in a way we don't even know how to intercede for them, that yes, it's messy, and yes, it's painful for for even us and even the people that are surrounding um, our families, but it is necessary and you will have the strength to get through it. Um, moment by moment and day by day, we're asked this question quite a bit just with fostering, you know, how do you, I don't understand how you do it. Well, I can look at other people and say, I don't know how they got through this, or I don't know how they got through this situation. And I can say right now with a lot of things that are surrounding even our family and our church family and um, our communities that I'm not sure how people are pulling through these things, but they are. And by the grace of God, if I ever have to face a situation like that, prayerfully, I will pull through like they are and like they do. And this is a situation that was more than likely a pretty sudden sudden circumstance and it happened and um you have three people at least here in this home that were greatly affected um saddened but then of course now rejoicing um that doesn't mean that every situation is going to end in the same way that this one has but in this particular circumstance it doesn't well and the woman looks at Elijah and she says, Now I know you're a man of God. She's watched him deliver them daily by providing food for them. But she knows God in a deeper level now because of the way he provided for her in this way. Yeah, and, and there's a there's a really strong lesson here um, for those of us that intercede, for those of us that pray for others. Um and you may say, well, that's not me. I'll never be like Elijah. Uh, but let me say this. If you are a child of God, and if you are serving God, and if you are seeking to be a part of God's kingdom, at times you are going to be asked to intervene and pray. And you're going to pray, and God's going to move in circumstances. And I want us to just kind of pause for a minute and look at Elijah's response. Elijah's response is he picks the boy up, takes him back downstairs, gives him to his mother and says, basically, he's not dead. Not, look what I have done. Look at this. Isn't this incredible? You know, not even an over, you know, praise God, even though that, that is certainly involved in this, but the child isn't dead. Your son is alive. And I don't know how to say this well, I don't believe, but the only person who can walk away from an answer to prayer like that in that way has got to be checking themselves mentally and emotionally and reminding themselves that it is God's work and God's blessing and God's mercy that brought that about. Um, to, to some people's detriment, God has answered their prayers. 
and they have walked down there and said, look what God has done for me or because of me. Uh, and that can become such a harmful place and such an easy place to slide into. Uh, but And then this woman responds with, "I now I know you are a man of God. And the word uh, from God, from your mouth, is the truth. And so it's an incredible testimony of Elijah's character uh, that he was developing as he as he served God. I believe that is just such a great reminder that Elijah had went from public ministry to a very private ministry and did not require the stage. Mm. He very much gave God the glory by not giving himself the glory. And that is so difficult to do as a human being in general, mm-hmm. not to require the stage. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, think about this. Without Elijah there, the woman and her son are both dead. A week ago, a month ago, two months ago, six months ago, however long he's been there. And now without Elijah there, the boy's dead. Um, but Elijah knows it's not because Elijah's there. It's because it's God's blessing of God's presence with Elijah. Because that could happen outside of Elijah, and he knows it, and he accepts that, uh, and believes that. And, you know, if you've ever had a prayer answered in, in that way, in some way that seems very miraculous, uh, you got to figure out how to walk away from it like Elijah did. <laughs> oh, gracefully. Sometimes that's very difficult. Yeah. Well, um, as we close, just I know that you probably all have many burdens today. Um, if you are alive, you have a burden. Mm. So be consistent. The point of the lesson says serve those around you through consistent prayer. It's been a challenge this week not to try to carry everybody's burdens because I can't physically consume myself with those but you can carry one or two or maybe five people's burdens so pick the ones that are urgent to your heart and pray with urgency for them and the book says consistency so take their burdens make them yours and get messy with those yeah, and I'll, I'll just, as we wrap up here, I'll give you one little tiny tip of something that I've done, um, not necessarily consistently, but uh, when there was ever a, a, a particular need that's like hanging over, um, uh, maybe I'll attach a verse of scripture to it. And every time I think of that need, instead of beginning, because this is how my brain does, my brain begins to evaluate the need and evaluate the person and evaluate all those things. And to help myself, stop myself from doing that and just pray for them and pray for the need. Um, I'll have a verse for the day or for the week or whatever that I'll just attach to that person or to that need. And every time they come up, that will be the verse that I quote um, because it helps me stay focused on who the provider is, and that's God. And, And this is so clear in Elijah's life here that Elijah knew that God was the answer. And uh, if God's the answer, then Daniel's logic and Daniel's reasoning is not the answer, and it doesn't need to become a part of it.
thanks for listening this week and um, we plan to do this again next week as we yep. will not have Sunday school again next week yeah for our student groups some of our some of our adult groups are still meeting and uh, our student groups won't for at least a few more weeks so thank you guys we will see you all soon